Good morning, church. It is so good to be back in the house of the Lord, and we are on our way back to our regular routine, and we're going to take our time. We're going to monitor things, and day to day, week to week, we'll just see how things go. But it's good to see the assembly that we have here this morning, and we hope and pray you're glad to be a part of this assembly, and you're excited about worshiping God today. I hope you don't take for granted how great of a privilege it is for us to be able to come together and worship God. We sometimes put coming out to worship as a task. It's not a task. It's a privilege. And we should be thankful unto God for this privilege. When you stop and consider how much he has done for us, how much he continues to do for us. And when you stop and think about how wonderful he is and the things that he has done for us day to day, week to week, month to month. Think about this, folks. Several months ago, people started dying from a virus that men still can't contain and still don't understand. But God looked down and showed favor upon you. You're still here, living, breathing, Good health. You're still here. It's not because I I said Wednesday night and I'll say it today. It's not because of the mask that you're wearing over your face. That mask didn't save you and make it possible for you to wake up today. It's God who is the sustainer of life. He gives life. He sustains it. And when it's time to go home, he'll call us home. We should be thankful. It's for this privilege to be able to come out and worship today. I don't know. Maybe we need to start serving cappuccino or something. Get you waking up. Stir it up. Are you okay? Don't be distracted, you know, by anything. The devil will use anything he can to distract us from giving God our worship. So let's let's focus on the matter of a hand and worship God in spirit and in truth. Amen? Amen. Today we want to look at a lesson God deserves our bets. He deserves our bets. Simply because you know what? He gave his. He gave his bets. God gave something that we'll never be able to compare with. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever believeth in him should not perish, but should have what? But should have what? Man, but should have what? Jeff, it's rough this morning, man. It's rough, but should have everlasting life. God gave his best. And you know what? We should always have it at the forefront of our mind to give God our best. Not just in word or deed, but in actions as well. Even the thoughts that we think, we should be giving God our best and praising him and thinking about him and uplifting him. Everything that we do. Because he has given something that we'll never be able to match or compare. Amen? But you know what? When you stop and think about it, God deserves the best of our worship. Psalm 100. He deserves the best when it comes. He demands our worship 
the best in uh, our worship. He did, uh, God describes our worship and God denounces all other worship. These are the four D's of worship. God deserves our worship. God demands our worship. God describes our worship and God denounces all other worship. And when you stop and think about how God has outlined everything. Who knows better how God wants to be worshipped than God himself. John chapter 4 said God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him. How? In spirit and in truth. So God he demands, he deserves, he describes and he denounces. And you know what? That leaves, that leaves nothing else. That leaves nothing else for man to try to come up with or to figure out. God knows how he wants to be worshipped. And all we need to do is stick with the book, chapter, and verse and give God what is deserving unto God. And if we do that, we give God our best. Is that all right? Now. There are some things that enhances the church. There are some men needed in the church. In order to carry the work of the church on. In order for the church to fulfill its mission in worshiping and carrying out the will of God the way he would have it to do. Now, there are some type men that are needed in the church. Men of knowledge like Timothy. Who, who as a young preacher... Humbled himself under the teaching of uh, Paul and other elderly men that he would learn. Second Timothy 3, 14 through 17. There are men of faith like Enoch in Hebrews 11 and 5. Who was able to humble himself and to be a servant of God, a faithful servant of God. That the Bible said he had such a wonderful relationship with God. Something special happened in his life. Can you tell me what it was? He didn't see death. He had such a great relationship with God. You know what? God spared him not to even see death. Do, do our men at, at, at this congregation have that kind of relationship? I'm not saying about sparing not seeing death. The Bible says Hebrew 9, 27. It's appointed unto man once to die. And after death, the judgment. But I'm saying, could we say as men today that we have such a relationship with God. God isn't so far off that he can't hear us. He isn't so, so high and mighty that he don't understand us. We as men, we should be men of faith like Enoch. That we can have such a relationship with God. Just like Moses. Moses had a relationship with God. That he was considered a friend of God. Would God consider us a friend? Something to think about, right? Men who count all things lost to gain Christ, like Paul. Philippians 3, 7 and 8. Is that the mentality of us as men in the lost church? That, hey, regardless of what this world may try to offer you, regardless of what... You may see in this life, 
Man, I count all things lost to gain Christ. Nothing is more important in this world than to gain Christ and to live for Christ. That should be our mentality. That should be our mentality. Because you won't take anything with you. I don't care how successful and what you think you achieved in this life, you're not going to take it with you. That should be every man's mentality to count all things lost to gain Christ, like Paul's. We need men who are God-fearing men like Peter and John, Acts 4, 19 and 20. That regardless of what they had to face, you know what? They didn't compromise. They didn't compromise. Even the threat of being thrown in prison, even the threat of being beaten, they didn't compromise. We need men who, were, who are fearless like that, like Peter and John, Amen. right? Amen. We need some men of patience like Job, who not quick at the stick to jump to conclusions about things, but who will be patient and wait on God's instruction, Job. Chapter 1 and 21, Job 2 and 10. We need men of virtue and purity like Joseph. That regardless of the circumstances, he's going to keep God in the forefront of his mind. And regardless of the temptations that he may be faced with, he's going to consider, how can I do this to my God? We need some men with pure thoughts. Like Joseph. We need men of righteousness like Noah. Second Peter 2 and 5. That regardless of how much the odds the art seem to be against us. Man, we got to keep on preaching and teaching. We got to keep on living right. Regardless of what the circumstances may be. We got to keep on serving God. We don't have time to be concerned about what other folks are thinking or saying or doing. Fear God. We need men like Noah. We need men, agreeable and compatible men like Abraham. Genesis chapter 13. Men who listen to God. Men who think things out. Men who are faithful to God. Faithful to God. Faithful. To God. Man, if we can just become as faithful to God as we are to our jobs, as we are to TV programs and sports and other things in life, we need men who are faithful like Abraham as he was to God. Didn't question God, just obeyed God. I say all the time you don't have to be able to think to go to heaven, just obey God and do what He says. We need men, men of wisdom like Solomon. 1 Kings 3, 5 through 14. We need some wise men in the church. Amen. Amen. To be able to carry out the business of the church. To consider God in all of the business. Before we do anything, we need to consult God and see if this is God's will, if this is God's way about doing things. Men who are more interested in pleasing God than trying to make a name for himself. 
You remember what happened with Solomon? God told Solomon, look, anything, I'll give you anything you ask. And Solomon, having, he could have asked for silver, gold, riches, women, anything. But Solomon said, just give me wisdom that I may rule and judge your people. And because of his humility and because of his request to God, God said, you know what? Not only will I give you that, I'm going to give you the riches. Is anything too hard for God? All of it belonged to him anyway, right? The cattle upon a thousand hill belonged to who? God. So instead of seeking out how I'm going to benefit and how I'm going to make a name for myself, we just need some men of wisdom to trust God and know that God is going to take care of things. We need some men of great courage like Daniel. Did you hear me? We need some men of great courage like Daniel. We just need some men with some rebar in their back. Don't, don't, don't worry about the lion's den right now. We just need some men with some rebar in their back. And we need some men who are just able to stand up against their own wives. <clears throat> Did he say that? Yes, I said it. We need some men with a backbone to just be courageous. We need some men of vision and determination like Nehemiah who wouldn't allow distractions, wouldn't allow other people and what they were saying and what they were doing to distract him from what really is important at hand. He wouldn't come down off that wall. The wall needed to be rebuilt and he had a mind. He had a mindset that, you know what? I'm on a mission. I'm doing a great work. We need men who understand that the work of the church is a great work. The service of the church is a great work. And we need not to be distracted and allow people and situation to distract us. And sit back and lay back thinking about, well, somebody else surely going to do it. No, we need to understand this as men that the work of the church is a great work. If it was a great work in our mind, you know what? We would be on top of things and not waiting for somebody else to do things. We would be on a mission to take care of matters. Last but not least, we need men of optimism like Caleb. Caleb and Joshua were those two that came back after spying out the land. Twelve spies went over. Only two came back with an honest report. And Caleb was one that, you know, that said, look, we can take these, we could take these folks. If God has given us land, we could take them. Let's go do it. We need some men with the mentality and the mindset of let's go do it. Not sitting around talking about, I don't know, scratching my head all the time. We serve a mighty God. So often we get off track because we're thinking about what our abilities are. Man, this isn't about what our abilities are. Our faith, our hope, our strength, our might and everything is in God.
It's not in our abilities. If everything depended on us, man, the church would be a flop. That's why we need some men on the optimism. Amen. Boy, I tell you. They said, what a way to crank this thing back up. But there's some men not needed in the church. Since you wouldn't say amen to the type that are needed, maybe you agree with the type that we don't need. Because maybe it'll come down your road. I ain't going to spend a bunch of time on this. But you need to hear this. There are some men that are not needed in the church. Men who are given to wrath like Cain. Temper. Attitude. Just can't accept instruction. Genesis chapter 4. Cain had the same opportunity his brother Abel. God told both of them the same thing. What he, what he wanted. What to do. But sometimes in our mindset, in our ways of thinking, we want to offer God what we want to and we want to do it how we want to. And we know the story. God accepted Abel's sacrifice and he rejected Cain's. Even now in the, old, in the New Testament, the Bible warns us not to have a mindset or have a religion or practice our faith like Cain. Don't have Cain religion. Because it's of an evil mind. We don't need men like that. We don't need men who think they can always add something more to what the word of God has to say. We need to just accept the word of God. We don't need any men who are dictators. Like diatrophies. 3 John 9 and 10. We don't need any dictators in the church. The Bible teaches us who is the head. Christ is the head, right? Well, if Christ is the head, what does that leave the rest of us to be? Servants, right? So what is that argue about as far as position-wise if all of us are servants? I know he, the organization-wise, elders and deacons and members there, but I'm talking about we don't need any men who want to come in and talk about what is my way or the highway. Some men can't run their own home, but they want to come up in the church and act like they all that. Man, start at home. And you don't even need to be a dictator at home. You just need to live godly. And then you know what? Your wife and children would know who the head is. Hmm. We don't need any men who turn their back. Like John Mark, Act 13 and 13. You read up on that. Paul, Paul, Paul had an issue one time with John Mark. Said, no, nah, don't bring him. Don't bring him. He had to figure some things out. We don't, need, we don't need men who are lovers of the world like Demas. Paul said, Demas, Demas was with him at one time. But he's no longer with me now. Because of the love of this world. This present world. Paul said, man, demons got distracted. Demons got distracted. And it pulled him away from the mission that he should have been about. You look around today. This present world has distracted many men. Out of the church of Christ. Not just at Locust Grove. But everywhere. 
Because of the love of this present world. Because their focus isn't right. We don't need men who are lovers of money. More than lovers of God. Like Judas. Hmm. Folks said, well, I'm not like Judas. Well, when you put everything else before God, your love isn't necessarily on God. Your love is focused somewhere else. We don't need men who are lovers of money more than lovers of God like Judas. Matthew 26, 14 through 16. If going to work all the time is more important to you than doing things to carry out the mission and the work of the church, check yourself, Judas. Check yourself. We don't need men who are envious and jealous like men, like Joseph's brothers. <laughs> Genesis 37. They didn't like the fact when Joseph told his dream and basically told them, y'all going to bow down to me one day. And let me tell you, that was it right there. They said, we can't take no more of this joker. We're going to get rid of him. We don't need men who are envious. We need men who will encourage and exhort and build up. And you know what? You want to do better? Don't get mad. Get better. Get right. If you see something in a brother and you admire that talent or gift that he has, learn from him. Talk to him. Don't tear him down. Don't beat him down. Stab him in the back. You can open the Bible and study and read just like he did. We don't need self-righteous men like the Pharisee. Luke 18, 9 through 14. We don't need pouting men like the elder brother. Pouting men. Luke 15, 25, 32. Talking about the prodigal son. Man, your brother, which was lost, he was dead, is now alive, man. He came to to his senses. You should be happy. Not envious, not mad. Talking about, I, I stayed here with you. You should have. <laughs> we don't need men who condemn others, but who do not see their own faults like David. Second Samuel 11 and 12. We can see the wrong in everything and everybody else, but we can't see the dirt that we're laying in and the dust we're stirring up in ourselves. We don't need men who are lovers of popularity like King Saul, 2 Samuel 15 to 26. 2 Samuel 15 and 26. We don't need men of greed and selfishness like Simon the sorcerer, Acts 8, 18 through 21, who thought, you know what, I could buy this gift that these apostles have. Want to make a name for himself. We don't need men of procrastination like Felix. Acts 24 and 25. I'll hear you some other time. Hold off. Get to you later. No, we need men who are about right now. Who are about right now. Amen, church. Huh? So you know what's next. Huh? Not only are there certain type men that are needed in the church, there are certain type women who are needed in the church. 
Amen? Amen. Women with great faith like the woman with the issue of blood. Mark 8 and Luke 8. She kept searching. She kept searching. She kept searching. She didn't give up. She didn't give up. I don't read about where some old sorry man came along and, and distracted her and said, hey, 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 I, I, I'll take care of you. No, she kept searching. She needed a cure. She needed some help. Sad to say, you're looking for, you're looking for some men to help you today. You're going to be in trouble. Amen, lights? Mm. We need some women who teach their children the scripture like Eunice and Lois did with Timothy. First Timothy 2 and 5 and chapter 3 and 15. Not just throw them a cell phone, but teach them. Teach them. What did Paul say about Timothy? He said, I know, I know the gift is in you. I know because of your grandmother and your mother. They were godly women. And it was shown by the way that they taught that young man. We need to get back to instilling the word of God into our children. Not the latest fashions, not the latest fads and all this other celebrity news and stuff going on. We need to get back to instilling the word of God into our children. We need some women who place the hearing of the word of the Lord before cooking and housekeeping like Mary. Luke 10, 38 through 42. Mm. Some folks get up Sunday morning, want to clean up, want to wash and do everything. Wasn't that stuff dirty last night? Huh? Folks forsake the assembly or roll up in here late and then talk about, I was trying to clean up and wash and do all this. It would be there this evening. It was probably there last night. But you had to watch your TV show. You had to run your mouth on the phone. Or maybe you had to go out. Couldn't go clubbing. I don't think clubs open yet. Yep. Huh? Oh, well, maybe you were out clubbing. <laughs> we need to put things in priority. What's truly important. I'm not saying it's not important to keep a clean house. Lord knows that's important. But God comes before a clean house. We need women who are personal workers like Priscilla. Acts 18, 24 through 26. Personal workers. Out there doing God's will. Not listening to all this crazy stuff about what people are saying. Well, I, I, I'm a sister. I can't do this. I can't do this. God have never restricted a woman from being a personal worker. He has never restricted a woman from being a personal worker. You have the liberty and the freedom to be a personal worker in the kingdom. You don't need no permission to be a personal worker. So you're telling me you got to come to the elders and say, can, can I go out and share the gospel with the person? Where is that in the Bible? 
No, there are things that you can do as a personal worker to keep yourself busy and to keep yourself going. Those are the kind of women we need. Who don't get entangled with the women who don't want to do no personal work. And now you're listening to them because you're afraid they're going to talk about you because they're too lazy to do anything. Sister, go on do your work. Go on handle your business. Be a personal worker. Serve the Lord. And let whoever want to talk, let them talk. God know what you're doing. We need women who show hospitality to the servants of God. Like the Shudamite woman. 2 Kings 4. Even though she was down to her last. You know what? She still showed hospitality. Facing death. Starvation. Facing. As she believed and thought in her mind. Look. I got this little bit left. I'm going to go on and fix this. And I'm going to eat a little and give it to my child. And we're going to die. God has something different to say. Amen. Women who respect their husbands. <coughs> Women who respect their husbands and are in subjection to them like Sarah. Is that in the Bible? Genesis 39, 1 through 23. Yep, I figured not a single amen. But you know what? It's still in the Bible. Let me, let me say something, sisters. Those of you who are married. Don't allow some of these other sisters who don't want to live right, don't want to talk to their husband right, don't want to serve and be humble to their husband, don't want to do right. Don't let them send you to hell. Because you're surely going straight to hell if you don't abide in accordance to what the word of God says. If God didn't mean it, he wouldn't put it in the Bible. Well, brother, man, that go but wait. I ain't talking about that. You stay in your lane. You do what God has commanded you to do. And if you got to stand alone apart from other sisters who don't want to live right and don't want to respect their husbands and esteem them to do better and hold them up. You know what? You cut them loose. But rest assured, you'll go straight to hell for disrespecting and dishonoring your husband. That's in the Bible. We need some women who are modest. Modest women. Amen. Vesta. That's the one. Women who lead their children into the Lord's service like Hannah. Amen. First Samuel 1. Women who are obedient to the Lord's will like Mary. Luke 1, 26 through 28. It's giving your best. Giving your best. You don't even have to think about it. Just do what the Bible says. Just be obedient. That's all you need to be. Obedient. And God will be glorified. And you know what? God will be satisfied. But you know what? 
There are some women not needed in the church. Hmm. Hmm. There are some women that are not needed in the church. Cruel women like Herodias who persecute the preacher for preaching the truth. Amen. Matthew 14, 1 through 2. Like some who might persecute me, talk about me like a dog and, uh, you know, it don't bother him. Maybe you talk about my wife. Well, you know what? Can't get her. Talk about my chair. You, you hate people because they tell the truth. I don't know. Maybe you see yourself on this chart. If you do, you need to repent and get yourself together. Because you don't, you, you're not needed in the Lord's church with an attitude and personality like this. We don't need, the church don't need women who misrepresent the truth. Like Sophia, Acts 5, 1 through 10. Husband lied, so she figured I'm going to lie with him. And she did. And not only did she tell a lie with him, she was buried with him. For some, well, that's my husband. That was it. The Bible ain't never told a wife to follow or honor her husband if he do not abide in the truth. A couple that lie together, they're going to die together. They're going to burn together. But as my husband, you better go study the Bible. The church don't need women who look back like Lot's wife. Genesis 19, 17 through 26. What were the instructions given by the angels? Don't look back. What was on her heart so deep and heavy in that sinful, nasty, perverted, just messed up situation? What would just cause her to want to look back? Physically. She was leaving, but our heart was still there. And we don't need women who still seek to go back to their, old, to their own vomit. We don't need women like Hosea's wife, that harlot, who even though God sent her a good man, you know what? It was just something back out there in that brothel. It was something back there in that whole house that she just missed. And she kept going back. We don't need any women in the church like that. We need some women who are just grateful and thankful that God saved them, that they've been redeemed. Now they want to glorify God and they want to live to praise him. We don't need any women like that. We don't need any women who are instigators of wickedness like Jezebel, 1 Kings 21. Oh, Jezebel, oh, mean, rude, just ugly temperament. We don't need any women like that. We don't need any women who discourage their husbands like Job's wife, Job 2 and 9. You see your husband going through stuff, and instead of being in it, and encouragement instead of saying, baby, what can I do to help? Or uh, going to pray, baby, let's pray together, this and that. Man, won't you just curse your God and get it over with? Won't you just curse God and die? For what? So she'd go find another man? 
In other words, I don't want to go through this. You know, I've read commentaries and books, man, where folks trying to justify why she said what she said. It was. You know what? I think the Bible is pretty clear. She was tired of going through it. She was tired of seeing her husband suffering and going through. And you know what? It was inconveniencing her. And she just got to the point where I said, man, look, just cursing. You know he'll kill you. Thank God he ain't listened to his wife. <laughs> and you know who she was still with? Her husband. Mm. We don't need any deceitful women like Delilah. You know, some women play in their marriage like Delilah. Make sure, make sure I ain't got to see you clear when I say this. Instead of just being straight up, loving, if you know you got a good man, well, let me say a good husband. Because people interpret, they interpret this man thing different. You know you got a good husband, right? That's why you married him, right? You saw something good in him. If not, he's yours now. But folks want to play games. And it's sad to say they want to play sex games. Oh, I put it on you. I put it on you. And then a man shouldn't have to, a man shouldn't have to be on guard wondering why all of a sudden she acting so sexy and so loving and kind. What do she want? That shouldn't be, that shouldn't be the way in a marriage. You should, be, you should be laying it on him anyway. It's honorable in all, Hebrew 13, right? But you know like I know. That's why I don't want to see your face clear. Because you know I'm telling the truth. You play games. You're deceitful like Delilah. I'm going to start cooking them some nice meals. And I, I'm going to do this. Why? Because you want something. You shouldn't have to go out of your way to do special things. You should be doing special things anyway. And any man with any amount of sense and love for his wife, you know what? He's going to get you whatever you want if he can afford it and do it. Shouldn't have to play a whore with your husband. That's the game Delilah played. That's what she was. But it's sad in marriages. When a man has to wonder why all of a sudden you're being nice. It's not the kind of women, godly women, the church need. The church need godly women that, you know what? Even when he act crazy, you still going to do what you're supposed to do as a godly wife because you're doing it unto God. Let me say that again. You're doing it unto God. But so often you get sidetracked because self get in the way. Anyway, we don't need women that are quarrelsome. Quarrelsome women like 
Eurotidus and Satinchi, Philippians 4 and 2. Don't need no quarrelsome women. It's enough confusion out in the world. You know, when, when a man come home and even when it come to the church, all that mess need to be left in the world. The church is a place of peace. God designed it such that there should be peace. Now, when women or men, either way, when you become so quarrelsome and, and all somebody left the word. <laughs> God deserves the best. And his design for the church is perfect. It's perfect. It's not a denomination. It's exclusive. It's loyal to Christ. The preachers in it preach the truth. Most of them. It's intolerant of every kind of evil. Places emphasis on the spiritual. You ain't worrying about worldly. Because this thing is a spiritual matter. And we need to understand, folks, God deserves our best. Now, I don't know which page of the charts you saw yourself on. But if it was on one of the pages of what the church don't need, there needs to be some repentance and there needs to be some straightening out. And you know what? You know and God knows. Don't play with your soul, folks. Don't play with your soul. Time is going to run out soon. It's going to run out soon. Folks are so in a panic worrying about the coronavirus. You need to, people still dying of other things, folks. And people are just dying, period. Some people just die in the, the, the core and they say, well, I just don't know. Just, just said natural causes. Corona, not the only thing that's killing. We all have an appointment. Wouldn't it just make sense to get yourself right? So that if you die right, you could get up right. And if you get up right, you could rise up right. And you could go on home right. But if you die in your sin, Jesus said, where I am, you can't come. Be encouraged, folks. Love not this world, neither the things that are in this world. For all that is in this world is the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And those three things will cause you to gravitate away from God. They will pull you away from God that you won't do the things that you need to be doing in order to glorify God. Don't be don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. This word is going to be at the judgment. And that's all that's going to matter. So if you're here today and you see where there's a need for correction in your life, church, make the correction.
Don't do it for me. Don't do it for anybody else. Do it for yourself. That you may be able to present your body a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God. Which is your reasonable service. You can't expect no favor out of God. If you're living in sin. You can't expect God to continue to bless you. Living in sin. Get yourself right. And you know what you'll come to find out about life. You'll have peace of mind. You find some people who just always stirring up mess, always fussing, unhappy, this and that. Usually sin is involved. Because see, if you're not at peace with yourself, you ain't going to be at peace with nobody else. And usually when you're not at peace with yourself, it's because you're fighting some battle within yourself. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You need some peace? You need some peace? If, if I ask your husband, do you need some peace? What would his answer be? If I ask your wife, do you need some peace? What would her answer be? Huh? Oh, yeah, you can smile and grin and seem so pious and holy here. But how much hell are you raising when you leave? God knows. But I'm saying you don't have to wear a mask when you come here. You could just live one life. One life. Because one day you're going to forget to put the mask on at the right place. And folks are going to find out who you really are. Why don't you just be a Christian? Why don't you just be a Christian? And grow from there. Is that all right? Be strong. Be encouraged. But be for real. If you're here today and you stand in need, you stand in need of the Savior's invitation. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Bible teaches one must hear the gospel, believe it, repent, confess, and be baptized for the remission of their sin and live faithful. But for us who are members, as we are, if we see where there's error, we need to repent and be restored back. Jesus said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. I tell you nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Let's get it right, folks. It's a beautiful day. God has given it to you. God could give you a, a happiness and a brightness brighter than the sun that's shining out there now. He could give you peace. Who's leading the invitation song? What's our invitation song? Yield not to temptation. 111 is our invitation song. Let us together stand and let us sing. Yield not to 